as I've already said, we're wrapping up the Lord's Prayer this morning as we move through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I hope this has been beneficial. I hope it's been helpful to you to kind of take our time and work through this prayer. I mean, you just, you know, you slow down and, and, and go through each thing and think about what it is that we're saying when we pray this prayer. And um, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's been beneficial. But let's, uh, let's read this again one more time and then dive into this sixth petition. So you can join me in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, where Jesus instructs instructs his disciples to pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord God, thank you for this prayer. Thank you for revealing to us how even to pray. We confess we are a often dull and stiff-necked people. And uh, we, we thank you that you, in your grace and your love for us, condescend, condescend to us to help us to, to understand how we can be in right relationship with you through your son, Lord, how we can communicate you in prayer through your word and uh, by your spirit. Father, thank you for this great gift that we have in your word, and I pray that you would use me, be pleased to use me this morning, a sinner, to be able to communicate it effectively to your people for their good and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Anyone who has been redeemed and is free from the guilt of sin wants to live without the interference of sin in their lives, don't we? We don't want sin in our lives. It weighs us down. We don't want to be harassed by it. We don't want it to have control over us. And so we're asking God in this petition to steer us clear from paths that lead to temptation. And if we're asking him to lead us away from it, then we need to be able to avoid it too, don't we? We try to avoid sin as well, avoid temptation. I mean, we can't say, God, lead us not into temptation, and then just waltz right into places or situations where, that we know are full of temptation, right? That's point number one. Don't show up where temptation is. When, where, and with whom do you most often find you are tempted? Certain people or groups of people that you know when you get around them, something sort of changes in you? When you're around certain people, do you ever get loose with your behavior and your speech? And maybe even get a little tight-lipped about Jesus? You keep, you keep Jesus in your purse when you're around certain groups of ladies, don't you, ladies? Guys, you ever set aside your righteousness a while to blend in with a particular group of friends or people that you work with? You know, maybe that's not a challenge for you. Maybe all of your friends and all of your associations are Christians, right? And praise God for that. That would be wonderful. So how about apps or websites you know you have no business opening? 
I, I think everybody's mind immediately goes one direction. It should go that direction, but there's lots of, lots of temptations, uh, not just those ones, right, that, that exist on that little, that little magic box in your pocket, right? You just t- tap it and swipe it, and a whole, whole world of opportunity opens up to you for evil, Right? And people are drawn, they're tempted by all kinds of things that are damaging to their own souls. I mean, you know, some people have uh, problems with gambling. They can find that there. Some people, um, you know, uh, shop more than they do. do or they're, they're irresponsible with their spending, and so that becomes a temptation. Or gossip, even gossip on social media, right? Lots of opportunities for evil. So one of the things we do, along with praying, lead us not into temptation is we don't offer ourselves up to it. We don't just give ourselves over to it. We practice self-control and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires, Romans 13, 14. You know, I had an opportunity this past Friday to uh, meet with the men in the men's Bible study. We were talking about goals, the the importance of men setting goals. And, you know, one of the things that we mentioned was um, too often we... We allow the world to tutor us on these things, right? We allow the world to, to tell us through, through, you know, humanistic and secular principles how to go about achieving goals and things like that. And there's no place for that, right? Um, the, the world would counsel you uh, on motivation, getting motivated. Motivation is not a biblical word, okay? But discipline is. Discipline's a biblical word. Discipline will outrun motivation any day of the week. Willpower, right? Willpower, as we're talking about resisting evil, when we're talking about resisting temptation, willpower is not a biblical word. But self-control is, right? You have self-control. You can't put on Christ and make no provision for the flesh and at the same time indulge the flesh. So it's wise for us, even if we're praying to not be led into temptation that we don't show up where temptation is. And what that looks like practically is structuring our lives in such a way that just makes it harder for us to sin. You know, putting up necessary boundaries and and, and walls of protection. You say, well, I don't like that. That sounds sounds like work. (laughs) Well, you signed up for the wrong Jesus then. Hopefully somebody has told you before now that the the Christian walk is not, uh, not easy street. <laughs> you don't think all that stuff in the Bible about spiritual warfare is just hyperbole, do you? We're supposed to die to sin, aren't we? Don't we read that? Well, you don't think dying is comfortable, do you? And y'all, I want you to think of this. When you think about being more intentional and being more selective about what you read or what you watch or what you listen to or where you go and who you hang out with, if you start feeling deprived and, and like you're taking this religion thing a little too seriously, that should alarm you. It should alarm you. It should alert you to how infatuated with the world you still are. That heart tug that resistance to dying to sin, that tendency in all of us to turn up our nose at the notion of purity, that's a love affair you're having. 
It is. That's what it is. It's nothing, it's nothing less than spiritual adultery. It's stepping out on Jesus. Anyway, well, I've never really thought about it that way before. Sin's tricky that way, though, isn't it? We can become so blinded by it that we, we really underestimate how much we love it. We love our sin. That's why we do it. We're redeemed people, but we still have a big appetite for evil, don't we? We still have a big appetite for evil and a tendency to draw circles around things that we want to protect from being labeled as evil so that we can still enjoy them, right? We want to cuddle up with Jesus and hold hands with the devil. So we do. That should alarm you. And it only alarms you when you actually work to mortify the flesh. When you begin to practice self-control, right? Where the profession of your lips is met with an effort of your soul. That's when you actually see it. C.S. Lewis once said, no man knows how bad he is until he's tried very hard to be good. That's true, isn't it? That's a longer quote, and it's great. I'm not going to quote the whole thing, but he sums it up. He says, we never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And we're supposed to fight it. We're not supposed to give in. And so what does fighting it look like? Well, for starters, not showing up where temptation is. Right? We've covered some big ones, but what about some little ones? What about some little everyday things? You talk about just things that you can do uh, to, to avoid crossing paths with temptation. How about getting enough sleep so that you can show up to work on time? Be faithful in your work to your employer. How about getting enough sleep just so you'll be in a good mood and not be a monster to your spouse or your children? Right? How about not scrolling on your phone as soon as you open your eyes in the morning? How about praying this prayer and using it as a template and a pattern or an outline and spending some time praying through this petition? Father, give me an awareness of my appetite for sin this day. Make me watchful. Keep me from temptation. And give me the strength and courage to say no when I need to and to flee temptation, to recognize it when it comes and to flee. And you don't, don't be afraid to add your own little personal twist to it. Don't use generic words, right? Make it personal, right? If you're tempted to laziness or to fits of anger, pray against that. If you're tempted to laziness, pray against it. If you're tempted in, uh, to overindulgence in food or drink, pray against it. If you're tempted sexually, pray against it. If you're tempted to gossip or to greed or to envy, or you know that you have a critical spirit, pray against it. You need help. You need help. Paul talks about, doesn't he, doesn't he talk about walking in the spirit and not in the flesh? You think you do that by default? You're going to need some help. You need help, Christian, and you have it here. Your heavenly Father stands ready to offer you protection and strength. Isn't that what Jesus is saying here? 
Isn't that what he says? You know, pray, that, that's why he says pray then like this. He knows. He knows that you're going to need help. And he shows us where to get it. Do we want it is the question. Do we want the help that he offers when it comes to protecting us from the sins that we love? Do we want the way out of temptation or do we really just want to still be able to have a, have a taste? Do we want to, deep down, do we still want to just keep showing up where temptation is, even though we know that we shouldn't, even though we're praying God protect us from it? Don't we keep wanting to show up there because we're afraid of missing out? Part of praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is simply not showing up where temptation is. And that's hard. It feels like dying. And it is. Dying to sin is hard. But I tell you what, anyone who has ever been given victory over a particular sin in their life uh, and moved out of its gravitational pole, you know, you know what I mean when I say that? Moved out of its gravitational You guys know what a, a event horizon is? Have you heard of this? Event horizon. It's like the imaginary circle around a black hole where once you cross, cross that threshold, it just starts sucking everything into it, right? And the closer you get to the center of it, the stronger the pole is, and there's just no escaping it. And it's a pretty good metaphor for, for temptation and sin. That's what it does. And any Christian who has battled with a particular sin and, and, and been given some victory over that, and the Lord has delivered them uh, from that, they've called upon God for help, and they're now free from that intense drawing They'll tell you how freeing it is. It feels like life. Felt like dying at first, in the very beginning, right? But then it felt like life. And that's, that's what comes after death in the Christian life, isn't it? There's life after death. Dead to sin, raised to new life in Christ. That kind of thing, the idea that you can be afforded that sort of freedom, kind of puts you in the mood to do a little dying, doesn't it? Resist temptation. Pray against it. Don't show up where temptation is. And point number two, here's the bummer. Temptation is everywhere. Lead us not into temptation. Uh, uh, don't show up where temptation is. Temptation's everywhere. I guess I'll just stay home. Don't do that. It'll find you there too. So what gives? Well, we have to be aware that when we're praying this petition, we're not asking God for uh, a trouble-free life. That's not what we're asking. We're not asking for a trouble-free life. We expect trials, don't we? We expect we will be tempted in many ways every day. Because we live in a fallen world, and though we are redeemed and able to not sin by the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we're still able to sin, and so we do. So what we're asking for is that God would do what he says he will, that he would lead us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. That he would keep us from being entrapped by sin. God always promises, a, a, promises us a way out uh, when we're tempted. He says in 1 Corinthians 10... Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, 
And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. So we're praying to not be entrapped by sin. We're we're not praying that we'll never be tested. You know, there's a kind of temptation that is testing, trials, you know, not not tempting, not temptation, but testing. And James speaks of this in, in chapter one of, of the book of James. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you face various trials. And in the King James Version, it's diverse temptations, right? Various trials, various temptations, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So there's a kind of testing then, a kind of temptation that comes from God that is for our good, for our refining. It's not a trap. It's exercise for growth, our growth and our love and trust for him. He strengthens our faith through testing like like that, like James is talking about. But then there's this kind of temptation that uh, we more quickly recognize as temptation, you know, when you're tempted to do something that you know that you shouldn't. James says that tempting is not from God in verse 13. He says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So James tells us there's a kind of temptation to rejoice in and another one not to rejoice in. We rejoice in the trials, but not in the enticements to do evil because one is from God for our good and the other comes from our sinful flesh for our destruction. And then in that same book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit and resist. Those are good words. You know, we've talked a lot about the, uh, the kingdom aspects in this prayer. Because Jesus talks an awful lot about the kingdom. So we have to be able to recognize where some of those connections are made and where those implications are. Each of these petitions is tied to the kingdom. And here, it's worth noting that our holiness, our submitting to God and resisting the devil, doesn't that hallow God's name on the earth? When we resist evil, we are doing his will on earth. And this is what kingdom, the kingdom coming looks like. Submit and resist. Submitting and resisting. That's doing battle. That's warfare. That's taking ground from the enemy. That's doing what Jesus did. Submitting to the Father and resisting the devil. And to be fair, Jesus' resisting the devil was a little different than ours, wasn't it? He faced them head on. We pray we would be protected from that. We don't want that. We don't want to be led into that confrontation. Jesus had to be led into that confrontation, though, in order to represent us as the second Adam. And the Spirit led him into that temptation. The Spirit led him into that temptation. We pray that would never be the case. You remember that, though? You remember, um, you know, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, Matthew 4, Luke 4? What, what had happened was, it says there, you can read, he was led by the Spirit 
into the desert to be tempted by the devil. We're praying that would not be the case for us in this expedition. So we're not, we're not praying that we wouldn't be tested. Testing is good. It's strength training. It's faith building. But we're praying we wouldn't be led into situations where we are likely to be tempted by Satan. That we wouldn't be entrapped by sin. And you know, praying, praying this way generally, but praying this petition highlights our weakness and our vulnerability, doesn't it? I want to encourage you to not shy away from that when, when, when you're confronted with that. When God's word, when God is confronting you in his word with your weakness and your vulnerability, lean into that. Don't toughen up to it. Lean into that, your weakness and your vulnerability. You know, we can't, we can't be too cocky. We should leave this prayer feeling like, eh. I don't know if I'm ready to cross that street out there without holding my daddy's hand. We're asking God for protection here. We've asked for provision in this prayer already, our daily bread. We've asked for forgiveness of our sins, and we're ending by asking for his protection. And so we're reminded there's danger out there. And not just out there, in here. You know, forget about the, the robbers and the muggers. What's going on in my heart today? God, protect me from myself. Keep me from, my, from the desires of my flesh. That highlights our weakness and our vulnerability. Uh, we sing often at our house, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. He is strong. That's us. Weak. Good news. That's him. Strong. We need protection, we see here. And we pray for protection. We don't pray for things we don't think we need, do we? We never seem to pray for things we don't think we need. Do you believe you're weak and need protection? The strongest Christian knows his weakness and prays for the Lord's strength. The strongest Christians you know that seem impenetrable, they're not impenetrable but they are prayerful. They realize the dangers of sin and their tendency toward it. David knew it. David knew the danger of sin. He knew his own heart. He knew his weakness and he prayed for help and protection. In Psalm 19 he says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. That's what we're praying here. Not that we would escape from all the difficulty, but that we would be kept away from evil. Jesus prays, prays that for us in his high priestly prayer. In, in John chapter 17, uh, verse 15, he prays to the Father. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them away from the evil one. That's what he prays for his disciples. 
And you know what he tells his disciples? So he prays for them. You know what he tells them? He says, watch and pray. Remember that? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that kind of what we've been saying all along now? Pray for protection, but be on the lookout yourself. Pray for protection, but be on the lookout yourself. Temptation's everywhere. We need protection. But we need to be intentional about not crossing paths with temptation and be ready to fight against it when it comes our way. This is, seems to uh, have come up a lot recently. You know, God's word is, is a weapon. You realize that, don't you? God's word is a weapon. It's the sword of the spirit. And it's powerful. You can use it to battle sin and temptation. And it works. The only reason people don't use it to battle sin and temptation is because they don't carry it. What would happen if you carried it? And I don't mean like literally carry your physical Bible around everywhere you go, although wouldn't be anything wrong if you did. But in here, what if you carried it in here? I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119.1. That's why. It's useful. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. Verse 98 of that same psalm. How can you keep your way pure? How can you watch your step? How can you keep your way pure? By guarding it according to God's word. That's what Jesus did. You know, we talked about his temptation in the wilderness a few minutes ago when, when Satan was tempting him. Uh, we pray that we're not led into that kind of temptation the way that he had to be led into it. But you know what he did when he got there, don't you? Every time he answered with Scripture. That's the weapon he used. He didn't go, go, gadget, God mode or anything like that. You know, he was tempted as a man. And just as sort of a side note, this is important. Uh, it's, it's actually really important because to get this wrong is heresy, okay? People throw that word around sometimes to just, because they don't agree with something, right? No, 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 no. This is capital H heresy, all right? You can't divide Christ's Two natures. You can't compartmentalize his divinity and his humanity. All right? We know that he was fully God, fully man, and is to this day. You can't separate those two things. You, you can't see stuff that Jesus is doing in his earthly ministry and think, oh, well, he was using his divinity when he did that, and this was him and his humanity over here. Right? Uh, you know, he used his divinity to raise Lazarus, and it, it was his humanity that wept for him. No. Natures don't act. Persons do. And the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, is one person with two natures. He really was fully God, fully man, still is. And so when he was tempted, he was tempted as a man is tempted. You know, he, did, he didn't just uh, put on his 
his God gloves. And what he did when he was tempted, just as we all are tempted, is he combated it with Scripture. Right? If you're the son of God, Satan tells him, command these stones to become bread. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. If you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread for you. He says, it is written. Boom. Deuteronomy 8.3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan goes, oh, we quote in scripture now. All right. Satan knows scripture better than all of us. He says, okay, throw yourself off of this high place because it is written. The angels will rescue you. Jesus says, it is written, boom, Deuteronomy 6.16. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan gives him another crack. says, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all of these kingdoms right now. Jesus says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, boom, Deuteronomy 6.13. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. You know what happened after that? The devil ran away. Jesus overcame temptation the same way we are to overcome temptation. Prayer and being armed to the teeth with the word of God. It's that powerful. He didn't even have to leave Deuteronomy. He was in two, just two chapters of the same book. The best defense is a good offense. That's what I'm trying to say. The best defense is a good offense. And scripture tells us when you, you, when you run that offensive play, the devil flees from you. I'd hate for y'all to be sitting at lunch today and, and somebody say, what'd you think about the sermon? Uh, I don't know. I think he said something. No, no, no. You, here's what you can know I said today, all right? When you run that offensive play, the devil flees from you. You believe everything else in the Bible. Why don't you believe that? If you want victory over besetting sins in your life, you need to start speaking the word of God into those situations. You need to recognize that you are in a spiritual battle. And the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. This, this is your weapon. Carry it with you, right? Carry it with you. Don't leave home without it. Pray for protection and carry protection. That's the way it works. Lead us not in temptation, temptation Father, but deliver us from evil. You know, ultimately, we want to be kept from evil because sin displeases the God that loves us and redeemed us, doesn't it? I mean, that's sort of the, you know, that, that kind of gets you in your feels a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> this God who, who, who loves me, who gave his only son for me, like it, sin grieves him. It displeases my father. It's distasteful. Make it distasteful to me, Lord. Help me to avoid it, to not love it, but hate it, to repent of it. We want to live for his glory. We want to know his pleasure. And we want, we want for him to be delighted in us. And here's, here's the kicker. It's not a dramatic pause. My mouth's just dry. 
We ask all of these things, all of these petitions, y'all. We ask this of a God who has the power to do it. We forget that sometimes. We get in wishing well mode, you know, our prayers just kind of flicking coins in a wishing well, wishing on a God, and, you know, if things pan out, we forget to thank him. We have a God who is powerful enough to do it. And the ancient church added the doxology that we all say when we recite the prayer aloud, right? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And this prayer covers all of our human needs, doesn't it? He's powerful enough to meet our every need. We pray for our bread, for our physical provision, and God has the power to supply it, and he does. We pray for forgiveness of our sins, and only God has the power to do it, and he supplies us his son. He supplies our spiritual need, right? And we pray for deliverance here in this petition. We pray for deliverance from evil, and only God is powerful enough to do it, and he supplies our moral need by leading us away from temptation. So we're not just saying these things and droning on. We mean what we say. Lead us away from temptation. Deliver us from evil. We've said before this is a pattern prayer. And hopefully by now we see that it's covered all of the bases. All of the bases. It addresses God as who he is. It recognizes us for who we are. And it gets us thinking about what God wants before asking for what we want. We touched on that. It reminds us that God has desires too. And then we're reminded of how reliant we are on our Heavenly Father for everything that he is good and he is pleased to give it to us. He supplies us with everything we need. This God that made us, the God that redeemed us, the God that keeps us and sustains us, as we've seen all the way through, is the same God who protects us because he loves us. I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to pray these words that I've just marinated over this past week. And I just want to pray this prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me from 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 13? Pray with me. Praise be to you, O Lord. God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. 